Hey, alright! And welcome to Better Yet. I'm Tim Crisp, your host. Better Yet is the conversation about music. And our conversation this week is with Bartis Strange. Bartis released his excellent debut LP, Live Forever, earlier this month. Truly some of the most captivating guitar music I've heard in some time. Much to discuss this week. Thank you for joining us. Thank you to Namdi for this lovely theme music we've got. Invite you all to rate and subscribe to this podcast on Apple Podcasts. I don't do these plugs enough. You're supposed to. But leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. Follow us on Bandcamp. You'll get a notification every Thursday. We drop a new episode, except for this week because we did it on Friday. We are currently banned on Spotify. I don't know. Actually, I do. It's got something to do with using someone's music without permission as an intro to an old episode. There are like 140 of those, and uh, they won't tell me which one was the problem, so fuck them. But hey. Enough about me. This guy, Bartis, has had some year. Back in March, he gave us a little taste of what he was all about with his first solo EP, Say Goodbye to Pretty Boy. This record, nothing but national covers. It came out in March of 2020. Uh, and there was a lot going on back then, not like now, but you may not remember it when it happened, but whoosh, you gotta check this thing out. Say It's called Say Goodbye to Pretty Boy. This thing, nothing but national covers, beautiful, beautiful versions of these songs, distinctive in their reimagining. And notably, you listen to the songs, and instead of that Matt Berninger croon, you're a black dude singing these songs. And that's sort of the point. Not only is the National Bartiz's favorite band, but the whole project, this whole EP was inspired by Bartiz's experience going to see them and seeing very few black folks in the crowd. CP's a confrontation of that. The National, like any rock and roll band, exists because of black music. But aside from that confrontation, he's exploring these songs and rediscovering them through his own lens. It's a very cool project and a pretty decent segue for me to stop for a second and to let all of you know about an upcoming event you got Bartiz dressing up like his favorite band, The National. Well, this Halloween, my favorite band, Rat Boys, are hosting a 25-hour telethon on their Twitch channel, twitch.tv slash watchratboys, or you can watch it at watchratboys.com. The telethon will be streaming live on Halloween, and it will feature scores of guests, including Bartiz and Lucy Dacus and Adult Mom and Illuminati Hotties, and many more, including me, to benefit the Equal Justice Initiative and Girls Rock Chicago. Very cool deal the Rat Boys got going over there. I'm going to be uh, on there. I got the all-important 6 a.m. on November 1st slot. I'll also be reading The Exorcist. William Peter Laddie's novel, The Exorcist. I'll be reading it front to back over on this Halloween telethon. Twitch.tv slash Watch Rap Boys. 
Ratboy's got a nice flyer over there on their socials. Uh, it's the second flyer. I wasn't on the first one, um, but that's all right. They got a new one up there. Um, my name is a little bit lower than I'd like it to be, but we'll talk to somebody about that. Maybe they'll get a new flyer over there before Halloween. We have a Patreon, patreon.com slash Podcast. The revenue from our Patreon is split equally each month between the show, our guests, and organizations chosen by our guests. If you pledge to our Patreon this week, you'll be supporting Better Yet, and you'll be supporting Bartice. We're a podcast that pays our guests for their time. You can pledge $3 a month, like you're leaving us a tip, or you can pledge $10 a month, which will gain you access to exclusive content from me and from our guests this week. Bartice and I talked about our favorite live performances to watch on YouTube. You can hear it over on our Patreon, patreon.com slash Podcast. Proceeds from that Patreon will go to Bartice. And this week we're sending money to NELP, the National Employment Law Project. NELP fights for policies to create good jobs, expand access to work, and strengthen protections and support for low-wage workers and the unemployed. Happy to be sending some money their way and happy to share this conversation between me and Barty Strange, a fun one. As I mentioned, Barty's dropped a stellar debut record a couple weeks back titled Live Forever. It's a record that continues a theme Lucy Dacus and I talked about last week, the death of the genre. Bartise puts it all into one package. You hear everything from Block Party and TV on the radio to abstract hip-hop to old folk and country music. It all gets filtered through Bartise's voice and his very, very adept guitar playing. Psyched to have him on the show this week and psyched now to share the conversation with you all. Thank you for listening. Subscribe, tell your friends. Here's me and Barty Strange. You is gonna teach me, or just like hang out with? Me. Oh, dude, and he would me. love to teach you. Like, you know, I know it. I mean, you know, he's look, also looking for clients hardcore, and you know, he's about to get on his grind really hard. So I know he's in network mode. He'll be down. Mm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, I can I can share so much great stuff with him too because the thing out here that I'm finding state sales. You get audio gear for so cheap from people out of state sales. I bought this reel to reel machine yesterday. One dollar. It's broken, but maybe I'll fix it. Um, it'll cost you way less than a thousand dollars to fix it, which is what you'd have to pay to get a decent one. Yeah, totally. I mean, shit, hell yeah, yeah, that's sick. Congratulations. <laughs> <laughs> so you're you're in DC now, and you were you were saying that you had been there before. And then you moved to Brooklyn. Now you're back in D.C. What what part of uh, uh, town are you living in? I live uh, in Northeast D.C. <clears throat> um, okay. on ben- on Benning Road, um, really close to H Street, and not far from Union Station. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. The central locale. I don't I don't really know where that is. But if there's a Union Station, 
then it's got to be important, right? Every I feel like every city has a union station. Yeah, it's uh, where all the, you know, if you're taking a train to D.C., that's where you get off the train most of the mm-hmm. time. Yeah. So, and and you grew up in Mustang, Oklahoma. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And right then, right outside o- OKC? Yeah. It's like uh, I went to Mustang High School, and it I lived, like, right on the border of Mustang and Yukon, which are... Mm-hmm. interchangeably the same city <laughs> but yeah that's where i live mm-hmm. how quick were you to to get out of i don't want to disparage the the great name of uh mustang slash yukon oklahoma yeah. but how quick were you out of there pretty quick i mean i not you know no no knock on mustang or yukon they weren't you know they're fine um a lot of good people there but i you know i wanted to i got a football scholarship and moved um after high school and played football oh, wow. in um in Kansas for like a semester and then I didn't really like it that much and I moved back home. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> and then I was like, oh, I want to just keep I want to play in bands. I, I jumped in a band when I was in college and I like kind of played guitars and was in and out of little bands in high school and never really put time into it cuz I think I was so focused on like sports and then um mm-hmm. when I moved back to Oklahoma I was like, yeah, like I want to get a little more serious about this and started like recording people and like tracking myself and trying to learn how to make the things I wanted to make. Um, but yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. What, so I, I'm sorry. I got to ask like, what position were you playing? You got a scholarship. That's uh, you don't just get a scholarship for <clears throat> being uh being a good, like, you know, is there a, I guess football is not like the same as uh other sports where you have uh you know, somebody plays right fields, like, yeah, because they suck. <laughs> no, in in high school, I played a lot of sports. Um, but yeah, in football, I played wide receiver and um, free safety. I was uh, a fast guy. Yeah. Damn. I, yeah. The free safety. Yeah. I was a heavy, I was sneaky, coming out of nowhere. Uh-huh. Yeah. And then you said, coach, I'm out. I'm done. Yo, I actually, I got hurt a few times, man. You know, like knees, you know, I was a big, yeah. I was an athlete in high school. You know, I ran track, played AU basketball, football, you know, mm-hmm. skateboarded every fucking day. Like I was like just out here. <laughs> I was, yeah. and you know, so I think by the time I went to college, I was like, I just want to be a normal person. Like this is a lot. And I, I got really into school, honestly, like. I eventually transferred to this really great community college and then to the University of Oklahoma. And uh-huh. and at OU, like, I really kind of, like, thrived in school. Like, I enjoyed it. I interned a lot. Um, yeah. Played in a lot of bands. And that's kind of how I got to D.C. was through interning and really, like, networking and trying to get out of there. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know? totally. So, yeah. When, once I got here, I was just like, okay, I'm never going back. And now, uh-huh. like, my whole family has moved out here. So two years ago, my mom and dad moved to D.C., and I was like, oh, shoot, looks like this is what we're doing. So that's why I left that That's home. awesome. Yeah. So are you close with your folks? Yeah, you know, always trying to be closer, you know. You never feel close enough as you get, uh-huh. as you get older. Something I'm learning is you think you're going to have an infinite amount of time, and then you realize they're getting older. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. My dad, dad just retired. So it's oh, like, congrats. damn, you know, it's like he, he's he's always just been the same age to me, but it's like now he's retired. Like that's that's grandfather age. Yeah, 
Do you have kids? I'm an adult. Yeah. Do you have kids? No. No? God, no. I don't have have any I've got two dogs. Oh, I've got one. Yes. I feel you. Oh, what's what's their name? Bobby. This is Bobby. Oh my god, I wonder if you can see her right now. Oh, Bobby kicking is that Black Lab? Yeah. Hey. Dude. Yeah. Yeah, that's right, Bobby. What's up? (laughs) Yeah, Bobby's she's fun. Yeah. Yeah. So you're you're folks from what I'm reading about you, Bart, you seem like pretty interesting folks. Your mom was an opera singer? Yeah, she she is. Mm-hmm. She still is. Yeah, yeah, she sings. And and did you grow up singing? Yeah, um, always was always singing, and was always around singers and musicians growing up. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm, that's for sure. So were you? Where were you singing when you were growing up? Were like were you performing? On yeah. stage? Yeah, I mean, when I was a, a kid, I mean, I sang in church mostly. That was how I started. I mean, mm-hmm. my mom sang in a lot of churches and overseas and, and in the States. And so I was always kind of with her and um, came up singing in church. Like, I guess a lot of people, my mom, my brother and sister are the same. Um, and, you know, when we moved to Oklahoma, my mom was teaching at, like, elementary schools and stuff. And singing mm-hmm. at churches was kind of the full-time thing. Which meant, you know, she would sing at, you know, four or five churches a week, you know, like uh-huh. every, every Sunday, like running between churches or Wednesday, Saturday, you know, holiday things. And also like doing private stuff at the house with like more pro- like professional artists and random mm-hmm. consulting. She consulted on a couple TV shows that were like music based. And you oh, know. Wow. so she's always doing that kind of stuff. And so I was kind of it was just always all around me. And, um, yeah. you know, that was just what I wanted to do all the time. You know, I loved watching you know, the players play and um, definitely started that way. But then eventually my mom helped found this thing in Norman, Oklahoma, called the Cimarron Circuit Opera Company, which was like a, mm-hmm. a opera house kind of deal with uh, with the University of Oklahoma. And um, there was like a camp, like a kid's camp. And so I, every summer I would spend like the whole summer in opera camp and we would do like a huge production afterwards and they would always sell out and like the entire like because it was like a university town so like you know we would yeah. pack out like the opera house at OU and it was so cute like all of us and we were like all aged from like 8 to like 14 15 so it was mm-hmm. like really special and I really fell in love with that like singing being on stage through that and then yeah. I got a car and found like music <laughs> uh. yeah <laughs> Wait a minute, what's this backbeat yeah, going on I was here? like, what? Because my parents uh-huh. were super Christian. Like, we didn't listen to a lot of um, secular What kind of Christianity music. sect was it? Um, well, honestly, whatever church my mom was singing at. Like, we still... Oh, sure, yeah. <laughs> like, it was like either a non-denominational church, you know, Assembly of God, Church of Christ, Baptist, Southern Baptist. Uh-huh. You know, um, we went to a church called Wildwood Christian Church, the longest, though. That was kind of our home church in Oklahoma mm-hmm. City. Shout out to Wildwood Christian Church. Those are good people. Yo, yeah. that's good. That's great that you're shouting them out. We've got a big constituency out there. Better yet, uh, booming fan base. Uh, we, you know, they love us out there. Yeah, <laughs> Wildwood Christian Church. Um, <laughs> so uh, let, let me ask you about opera real quick because I started to dabble a little bit into like more 
classical music and you know so a lot of these a lot of these fools like you know they wrote operas along with other shit and the, the opera is like the one that i have a hard time like getting into i think it's just the form is yeah. like all right this is this is just uh something that i have to commit to a little bit like in any weird rock and roll yeah i mean where do i start like what's the what's the one that's like yeah like, what's your favorite opera start with like porgy and bess yeah. Yeah. Okay, cool. Because I got that I got the Miles Davis record. I like that. Yeah, start with Porgy and Bess. Like start with things that are like kind of contemporary and fun. You know, like my mm-hmm. introduction to it was through Gilbert and Sullivan, which was they're actually um <clears throat> they're pretty interesting. They're called operettas. So like uh-huh. it's an opera, but every couple songs there's a break and it's just acting, like with spoken word. Yeah. And it, and it helps tie everything together. Um, and it's mm-hmm. it's very like English friendly. Um, it I, I mean I, I think though and the, the stories are pretty good too. I mean there's also just like you got to get into the corniness of it, you know like yeah it all totally. looks kind of whack and it's all super corny and dated, but it also is like a really cool window into just like it, I, I think of them as like history podcasts, you know mm. like mm-hmm. it kind of just shows you what people were thinking a long time ago kind of fun (laughs) like this is what this is what they thought pretty people looked like this is what they thought like good food was this is what they thought good music was it's interesting yeah yeah i love that um i feel like there's a there's a little nod to that on jealousy right i I hear some opera in the background yeah and that's my little sister in the background singing yeah really yeah what'd she say is she singing something that you wrote for her no she was just kind of singing all those big high notes in the background like those uh-huh. high C's that I can't. I mean, no one can really hit. Yeah. So, tell me a little bit then about the. Uh, you say high school. You drove a car and you discovered music. Like, what was the? Uh, how did that discovery uh, take place? What was the? What was the big like gate opener? I think the record that I probably got first or heard first when I started, like, hanging out with people I met in high school was, um, Get Rich or Die Trying. Fucking right. <laughs> By 50 Cent. <laughs> and that record, I remember being like, yo, there's so many pre-choruses. Like, there's so many uh-huh. intros. Like, he would do, like, a 45-second intro that was super musical, and he'd be rapping the whole time, and he'd never come back to it. And it was like a huge part of the song, but it didn't matter Like as the song went on. And I was just like, what the fuck? You're burning these incredible sections just to like get me into a song? Like, mm-hmm. that's so sick. And I like, you know, Many Men is like a great example of that. I could go on and on about that record. I think it is disrespected. Um, but like... <clears throat> Truly, though. Yeah, it's disrespected in the hip-hop canon for sure. 50 Cent. People thought he was fucking Tupac. Remember... People thought this man was, like, Biggie. People were really seriously losing their mind over Tupac. And I was, like, 16. So mm-hmm. that shit was pretty big. But um, <clears throat> I'd always been into guitars. Um, and, of course, like, I liked Jimi Hendrix and stuff. But I just never saw, like, a band that looked like me that, like, I connected yeah. to. 
Um, and then, like, I, I literally, like, TV on the radio, I remember, like, that band and Block Party, like, finding them pretty quickly and mm-hmm. hearing, like, Helicopter and being like, oh, wow, like, this is, I want to do that for sure. Yeah. Like, that's kind of, like, how I want to play a guitar. And I got a guitar then. Like, I was, like, 16, 17. I got it pretty mm-hmm. late. Yeah. But that was kind of it. Jamie sent me the record, and I heard Mustang, and I was like, oh, fucking right, Silent Alarm. And yeah. then I was like, hold up, like, don't, don't, like, you know, catch myself for a moment. Like, don't just go to the the one black post-punk band just and just because this dude, and it's like, no, 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 you're cool, you're cool, you're cool, you're cool. That's right. This sounds like Black Party. Yeah. And that band rules. Yeah, I mean, those are that's who I'm referencing, you know. Um, mm-hmm. So yeah, I think that's fine. Someone asked me if they were like, they were like, does it bother you that people compare you to TV on the radio? And I was like, hell no! Like, would it bother you if someone compared you to Madonna? Like, <laughs> like, no. <laughs> I think that's great. Mm-hmm. That's fine. <laughs> Um, yeah, so you're, you're playing, like, your electric guitar playing is super interesting, but your acoustic guitar playing is just, like, phenomenal. I was really, really taken by, by that. You're, you're so active, and it feels just very, um, very informed by like older blues and like folk music am i am i face in that yeah um definitely i mean I, that's my favorite music to play honestly yeah. is like folk music and country music and blues i mean that was what got me into guitar like playing you know that was those are the things i could actually mm-hmm. play and you know living where i lived i mean i grew up on garth brooks boulevard literally that's the street <laughs> that's my intersection of my house like no yes like i'm country music was all around me and, you know, I remember grow, growing up and going to, like, there was a guitar shop by my house where I learned how to do everything. And, like, it was uh-huh. just a couple old white dudes, country dudes who've been playing in Oklahoma for 40, 50 years, just shooting the yeah. shit, talking about guitars and trading them back and forth and playing them and just talking. And I would, you know, I was, like, one of ten black families in town. I used to go to that mm-hmm. place and just sit in the back and just watch them. And they just let me sit there and watch them all day. It was, an, yeah. you know, they never told me to leave, which I always thought was dope. But yeah, they know. probably love that. Yeah, I was just in, I would just pop, I'd ask all these, as I got older, you know, we all kind of became friends, and I would ask them uh-huh. questions, and, you know, I, you know, every once, I would call Dale, and we'd catch up, you know, over the phone, and, you know, it's, those guys, just I just watched them, and they were all like claw hammer players, and chicken pickers, and just like, uh-huh. you know, they were just like all fingers, I, I only play with my fingers, and like, really? I definitely think it's obviously because of that, like, it's just... They're just so expressive on the instrument, and I, I just, you know, picks, I was just like, ah, like, I can't reach everything. Like, how do, how do people, I also didn't want to learn how to play fast, like, with my hands, mm-hmm. and I was like, yeah, fingers is just going to be the way to go, so, now I just... Do you still play electric with your fingers? Yeah, yeah, I just bring in extra guitar players so I don't have to use a pick. <laughs> um, yeah, just listening to, like, far falling for you and then you know this Barty's and the strange fruit record has uh 
become a little difficult to find. I don't know if that's by design. You're smirking. Um, also, I, I, I'm bringing this up too and, and saying like, if you don't want to talk about it, I'll cut this out of the interview. Oh, no, but, it's all good. Yeah, like um, we, what, all I, what I found was the um, WXPN session, which was f- incredible too. And that was uh, featuring a lot of your a lot of your picking and it helped me you know understand the uh the songs on live forever that were indebted to that because when i first heard those songs i was like jesus like wait is there is there anything this guy can't do Hmm. (laughs) but um yeah like um tell me about tell me about um that i guess where you're at with with that yeah, parties in the strange fruit record. Why can't I find it? I'm, I, I really want to put it back out. I probably will. I think um, a part of me was like, "Oh, you should like re-record these," and then another part of me is like, "Nah, like let them kind of just be what they were." You know, like mm-hmm. you don't have to prove anything. You know, it's yeah. okay. It's okay if you sound a little funny. Um, uh-huh. But the. Uh, yeah I love that record I mean that record was kind of how I tested this idea of like if I wanted to do a solo thing to be honest like I was playing in a bunch of bands at the time um, Mm -hmm. in New York and I was kind of getting like a little I just didn't feel like I was doing I wasn't fulfilled like I couldn't do everything I wanted I I always had to kind of split myself among a bunch of bands and be like okay this is my country band this is my hardcore band this is the mm-hmm. pop thing. This is the house music thing. And I was like, ah, I just want to do all of them. And um, I hate splitting them up. And so that was kind of an idea for me to test, like, just, like, the integrity of some of the songs I was writing. Because mm-hmm. I was like, yeah, like, I don't know if this is how the songs would be in their final form. But I know that I I, like, I think these are good. So let's see how people yeah. respond. And, you know, people were into it. And so I was like, okay, I'm going to move to D.C. now and just start a band. <laughs> Like it'll be fine, uh, and that was kind of what happened. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Red, um, interview you did uh, in the alternative where you said you you sold like almost all of that gear after mm-hmm. you finished recording it. Yeah. And I thought that that was a really dope move of just being like, did it. Now I'm on to something different. Yeah. So say goodbye to pretty boy how did that how did that idea come about i know the story about like going to see the national and just being like you know there are no black folks here and then that kind of like spawns the recording of the uh ep but to come out with that as your first release I it took me a, a couple listens through to just be like this is a fucking brilliant idea, like you get all this attention because you're playing national songs and you're doing them as your own with your own voice. Was that was that the idea? You're yeah. just like let me let me let me hook them in here with this one. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, kind of. I mean, well, it was. It didn't happen it, that way the whole time. Like, mm-hmm. I was shopping Live Forever, and I had mm-hmm. a meeting with Brassland because I wanted them to take Live Forever. Mm-hmm. And you know, 
Alec, the guy who runs the label, he was just like, look, you know, we just put out a national record and we are too busy to take on another LP this year. Mm-hmm. Um, and, I, and I literally, like, knee-jerk was like, oh, well, I'm thinking about doing some national covers. Like, pulled it out of my ass. And, like, he was like... You're oh. in the room. And he was like, oh, send me a couple. And I called my friends and we, like, wrote four of them immediately. Yeah. And what were the first four that you did? About Today, Women World... Reasonable man, and I believe Mr. November. I love that you you went deep into that catalog. Like you got great cherry tree representation on that record, and yeah, fucking right. Yes. Um. And but then like yeah. That Lemon World cover is just fucking knockout. And the Mr. November, like, my birthday's in November. Like, that's... Bum. That song is so fucking good. And I I really love what you did with, with all of those, doing, doing something that's very, very thoughtful with each of them. You have fun making that? That was the most fun I've ever had making anything. Because yeah. I didn't have to write the lyrics. <laughs> <laughs> I was just like, oh, I'm going to try all these arrangements that I'm going to come. I, I mean, you know, I'm going to use those sounds again. But mm-hmm. it was like the first way I could test a bunch of shit. You know, like it was mm-hmm. kind of like a. I was like, oh, let's see if this works. <laughs> like I've got another record. So it felt super low pressure. Like I was yeah. like, anything is going to be great because no one knows anything about me. Um, I also didn't want to spend my whole record like explaining who I was like mm. I kind of wanted it to give some context to live forever because I always felt like the record was really jarring and like there was a lot going on and I felt like mm-hmm. if I can give people something that kind of sets the stage and shows that I'm trying a lot of things like maybe people will be more receptive like to live forever um, because it's mm-hmm. kind of my like grant my experiment you know and and yeah yeah. so anyways i thought it just gave the record the best chance also like once brasslet said they were down like jamie was like yeah like let's put this thing out first like come on this is this is smart you know and it just made it made sense yeah she's good yeah i mean when we put two records out this year i was like yes Mm -hmm. yes like that's i really I, i was so happy with how it all went or is going I guess it only happened a week ago. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, That's or, or two weeks ago. Mm-hmm. Fucking, it's fucking wild because I feel like um, things are really picking up for you right now, my dude. And I, how long were you sitting on Live Forever? I'm. I did it last February. Yeah, a year ago. Yeah, year and a half ago. How how is how have your last couple of weeks been when you're you've been patient and then shit's just you were fucking in Rolling Stone yeah <laughs> yeah crazy <laughs> I don't know like I um, honestly it was really overwhelming and kind of weird like 
I had, was really excited the first, like, I was really excited when I saw that Pitchfork reviewed the album because I was just always like, nah, they'll never review my album, ever. Mm-hmm. You know, like, you know, they're kind of picky. And I don't know a lot of black people who get their records reviewed by them. So I was really excited <laughs> that they mm-hmm. reviewed me. And, um, and then, like, my email just got flooded and my DMs got flooded. And I mm-hmm. couldn't answer everyone fast enough, and I felt bad about it, and it, it was weird. Mm-hmm. I was like, too many people want to talk to me, and I can't I can't talk to them all, which is not how I normally have done anything. Like, I'm pretty, like, one-to-one. Like, I've always tried to convert, convert people to be fans by meeting them all. Like, I, want, uh-huh. I, like, I love meeting people. <laughs> and it's, it was just weird. It's weird, you know? Um, it's, it's kind of overwhelming, but... Over the last week, I've been, it's like, I'm, I'm fine. Now I'm just like, I mean, I just got back from Maine. I was writing a record and, uh, like, Look at you. finished it, you know? Good so, for you. Yeah. And I was like, yeah, like, I'm good at this. It, this wasn't like a fluke. It's okay. <laughs> You'll be fine. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah. And, I mean, it's something that I... I always glean on to, um, you know, I'm 34 and reading, you know, when I first heard that record, I'm like, these kids, these kids coming out with the music. And then I'm like, oh, we're close to the same age. Yeah. You know, I read something recently that's, uh, that John Coltrane, like, didn't start doing his solo shit until he was 30. Yeah. I get so much out of that. I feel like I just keep like finding those stories too. Dude, I live off those stories. I, yeah. I'm with you. I've, I mean, my partner, she'd tell you, like, I definitely, leading up to all of, to this, whatever this is, like, I was always like, damn, like, regretting everything. Like, oh, I should have did something sooner, or, yeah, oh, yeah. I should have X or X. And everyone around me was just like, dude, like, you couldn't have done that shit when you were 27 <laughs> like there's yeah. the record just wouldn't have come out like you had to live that you know and you know well, I'm also not rich you know like I have a I was working and you know <laughs> trying to have a life a relationship you know see my parents every once in a while so mm-hmm. things you know life you know you gotta you gotta live it when did uh when did you think that things were starting to get um you know, more serious. When did your focus on Live Forever um, and making it go into a a degree where it was, you know, more and more serious for you? I don't know. I'm a big planner. So, like, I mean, that's kind of what I did in my life throughout my last 10, 11 years of working. Like, I plan campaigns and I do PR. You know, that's kind of mm-hmm. my, my job. And I was just... I've been in a lot of bands and and also have a ton of friends in bands and kind of saw how even like a great record can't like be heard just because of how it's put out and timing yeah. and like how and then when things do work like how it looks and you know like any PR person would do I just studied it you know and I was like mm-hmm. okay like this is it's going to take a lot of time you know to build a team to ensure that no matter what, like the the record will be heard, like whether there's a, a label involved, whether I get anything written about me, whatever, like you just you build mm-hmm. the campaign so that the worst case scenario is still pretty good, and that's kind of why it took so long to put the record out, because uh you know 
once Jamie and I started working together, we immediately started looking for like booking agents, labels, lawyers, like people on the back end who had networks that could mm-hmm. ensure that like my music touched as many ears as possible before it came out. Yeah. And, you know, and it's like, you know, that made all the difference because we basically had a year to make sure everyone heard it. You know, and so the, you waited a real long time for William to yeah master it. Is that how he ended up releasing it too? Was he heard it and was like, I want to put this out? Yeah, we met Will like probably a month before Say Goodbye to Pretty Boy came out. Yeah. So I, I mean, I was pretty hopeless. Like, I was sad. <laughs> like, you know, this time last year, you know, I, you know, a bunch of labels had kind of, you know, they didn't really take, you know, they didn't give us. They didn't want us, you know, they, they didn't like, they, they liked the record, but I think that they just kind of didn't get it, you know, and which I don't blame them for. I, I was really second guessing it. And um, then, yeah. Just because yeah. it was too, like, there's too many uh, subgenres or, because, you, yeah, you know. mentioned that you were, you were worried that people weren't going to get it and turns out that the, that the, that's not just like a a personal uh fear that you had it's comes from actual yeah i, I don't want to say rejection but rejection yeah and it was and it's also okay like i don't hold anything against any of them it's kind of just how things work and i feel mm-hmm. like you know i really was trying something different and it's kind of weird and you know i get it <laughs> you know i totally understand yeah. Um, but, um, you know, I definitely was in my head about it, but then, you know, after like, you know, working with Brassland kind of really boosted my confidence. Cause I was like, Oh cool. Like the national likes this thing I made, <laughs> you know, like yeah. I was like, that's my favorite band on earth. Like, well, yes. Yeah. Okay. I don't suck. And then, um, around the same time, like Jamie got the record to Will Yip and Will Yip loved it and was like, I want to put this out. And I was like, shut up you're like one of my favorite producers in the world you know like Mm -hmm. i was like i was like this is a better situation than i was initially even looking for like how did this work out i mean and i guess it was just like all patience just being like knock on every fucking door (laughs) you you know you only need like Mm -hmm. one yes and if it's the right you know and that's it you're good you know um Totally. Yeah, I'm talking to a bunch of people now who are releasing records. And I'm like, hold on to the record, just, just, mm-hmm. just please, just take, build a team around that record, please, so that you'll be happy. And in the meantime, keep writing. You know, like it's all good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But anyway, mm-hmm. sorry, I'm talking so much. That's the idea of the of the interview. Is that? I don't know. I I don't know if you're if you're. I know that you're new to this, but. Uh. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Um. Yeah, you know why William wanted to put this record out because he heard those title fight guitars on Mustang. That's what he heard. He heard that head in the ceiling fan tone, and it's like, yeah. oh yeah, I, I've been here before. Yeah, that's. I mean, yo, we tracked that record in like a barn with no soundproofing at all. Like you know. Oh just... great! I was just thinking about making stuff in my shed, and I was like, should I soundproof it? Yeah, just like get some packing blankets and. Mm-hmm. Try your best. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it'll sound different every time, and it'll be totally chill. It'll be great. Yeah, yeah. I love that, and especially too, just with like, I, 
I guess that I do get the perspective too, that it is like a, a record that goes from like, it weaves through different genres, but also like as someone who saw a cover for that EP and I was like, what a Bad Brains reference. Yeah. And they fucking play reggae. They play hardcore and then they got reggae tracks. That shit works. Yeah. Nobody had a problem with that. Exactly. It's one of the best things about that band. Exactly. Yeah, you know, it's it's true. The um the soundscapes that you make on songs like Jealousy, um, Kelly Roll and those soundscapes, like I'm interested in and where they come from. Like what um who 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 influences those for you and also just like does it start with one or two things that you have stored and you're building on top of that jealousy i kind of built from the piano up i had just bought my first like poly synth and Mm -hmm. it was it's a um a prophet um a rev two and and i was just i love james blake and i love like watching him play his prophet and the sound he gets out of it and i i was just like working on those sounds and i'm not a piano player but i was just kind of like learning on it and i wrote Mm -hmm. that arrangement like a leading piano arrangement and then everything else kind of just came together organically i was playing with ghostly and jealousy a lot like they were like the same song for a long time before i figured Mm. them out they were just really big soundscapes um but yeah they were inspired by different people but definitely like james blake um justin vernon frank ocean um like Mm. the way and and moses sumney and like i always forget this how to say his name but y-v-e-s um eves yeah yeah yeah, you know how i you know how i know that name huh Cause I got the band camp up in another tab because I saw it. I saw you reference it. And yeah. I was like, I don't know that dude, so I'm going to check that dude after I'm done talking to Bartis. Yeah, he's like in that Serpent with Feet, Moses Sumney, like, mm-hmm. art, black, like, arty dude, like, yeah. dude. Yeah, it's just, it's like... Is he, is he from New York? Is he one of those, uh, those lo-fi I wouldn't NY be surprised people? if he was, but I, I honestly don't know. Yeah. I'm the worst. It's too much music to keep up with. I think you're great. <laughs> um, yeah, Ghostly is, man, the the scape, like the, what you kind of fall into mm. at the end of that song is just like, I mean, there's that line that kind of precedes it that is one of my favorite lines on this record is, um, I wish I could disappear more often. Yeah. It is... People have said for fucking eons, I wish I could disappear, but it's... I wish I could disappear more often. It's like, yeah, that's been there. Yeah. What's that song about? Oh, it's about a lot of things. The first... So, for like the reference for it was um, White Ferrari, like um, one of my favorite mm-hmm. Frank Ocean songs, because yeah. I love how he just like splits the, a song in half and it's just like 
No chorus, no bridge, none of that shit. Like, we're going to have section A, section B. Hard cut mm-hmm. in the middle. It's going to be fine. And I wanted to try something like that. And the first half of the record is just about, like, you know, like, you know how, like, emotional you get when you're on, like, acid or mushrooms and you just, like, feel like, oh, my God, like, how do I be a better person? <laughs> like, you know, and, and I just I just think about, like, my, my brother and my family and how close I wish I was to them and how, like, being on tour, how I don't call enough. It's basically like I'm apologizing, like, for mm. just, like, I'm sorry I don't call. It takes me four months to, like, reach out. Like, yeah. I just can't. I just... It's, and it's all, I've just always, even since I was a little kid, I, I feel like I've always wanted to just, like, disappear or just, like, be somewhere else, like, have my own space. Like, people, I've just always kind of been operating at a low level of anxiety, I feel like, from mm-hmm. when I was a kid. Mm-hmm. And so that song's kind of about that and kind of like, I'm sorry, I'm anxious. And then uh, the back end of the song is about, like, explaining why I think I'm anxious um Mm -hmm. and and being like no it's not because like a like a girl it's not because of like it's like kind of checking the box on and like this isn't why I'm sad this isn't why I'm sad it's it's got to be something else like it's deeper than that it's deeper than my job or a relationship is I've always had this feeling that I was cursed like when I was a kid and I think Mm -hmm. that like that song is kind of me talking about it like I hope I hope that nothing's wrong with me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that's kind of, that's what the song's about. Yeah. Ghostly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But it's like really cool. I like it. It's like, it's kind of like triumphant, which I like. Like, it's like a vibe, you know? Like It really is. Yeah. It's like yeah. acknowledging, like, I don't know what the fuck is wrong, but I'm, you know, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm me. <laughs> you know, it's cool. <laughs> so, yeah. In this moment, listening to that song and then, you know, hearing hearing you talk about it. Because, yeah, that, that, like, it does feel like you're, like, you're falling. It's like this record ends with, like, falling into a hole. But it's also just, like, there's such a warmth to it. And I was listening to it in my backyard, like, two nights ago. And I I ain't seen stars like this in a long time because I've been in the city. So I'm just like looking up and it reminded me of uh, of my hometown growing up. Because um, I always felt like I was the cursed one on mm-hmm. the block. Mm-hmm. I was the the only one of my friends. And we all just, you know, we played football and baseball in the yard. And I was like, why am I the one that is like much more emotional than any of you? Yeah. Like, <laughs> Yeah, I feel that definitely. Um, Stone Meadows and and Mustang, Mustang has that line too, just like a man bled out this morning on the antecedent, and and like hearing that, hearing Stone Meadows. I don't know if those two songs are related, but in my head they they were linked up very mm-hmm. much it it just I didn't, I didn't know what to do with it I had to take a walk I had to just you put a lot into that there's a lot of uh, everything in there yeah thanks it, I mean you know 
Yeah, Mustang is a heavy song. I love that song. Um, I love that song too, man. That's a jam. Yeah, it intimidates me, that song. I, every time I hear it, I'm like, can I make two of those? <laughs> yeah. You know? I, like, I believe that. I'm like, whew. Like, I remember after we recorded it, I was like, fuck. Well, there, there's one that I'm going to just have to walk away from. Like, mm-hmm. I'm, I wrote it. I can't make I'm not going to be able to make another one of those. That was special. I'm going to have to make something else. You know? <laughs> like, um, it was cool. I love that song. Um, but yeah. I packed a lot into it, mm-hmm. lyrically. Yeah, a lot of a lot of different experiences. I worked next to this like, I don't know if they're like chiropractors or therapists, but they killed themselves like at work. They jumped out of the window, and I just oh, seen Jesus. them like the day before, and they were all totally chill. Like you know, we were just ta- shooting the shit in the hallway. Wife was laughing. Husband was just being a, like joke, joking around, and you know, mm-hmm. next day I come into work and they're like. You know, the like they had already been cleaned off the side of the street, but I was like, "Damn!" You know, and I was ever since I was a kid, I've known a lot of people who've died, and I've always was like, I love like scary movies and I love fantastical shit, and I also halfway believe it, and you know, uh, you know what I mean. I was like, Mm -hmm. "Oh no!" Like I'm like a dark curse, and people around me are dying. But I remember feeling like that when I was a kid, and and uh, and I was like, I hadn't thought about that in a while. And of course, I know that's not true, but I felt like I was like, oh my god, like I just saw them, and now they're dead. And mm-hmm. um, you know, but that's what that line is about. And also, just kind of like my grapple with getting older and being like, oh, I wish I was doing this sooner, but I was working, and I had this shit, and I was stressed, and I was figuring myself out, and. Um, I think that like there's a sign line that's like, um, but if I wouldn't have done the things I've done, then how else could I be like going into the bridge? And yeah. that's kind of like what that's about, you know. Like this is just kind of how it was always going to be. <laughs> yeah, this is just who you are. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah, you carry that shit with you. Mm-hmm. The way you describe it as being like intimidated, I. Maybe this is a good thing to tell you. That song is that song is your wolf like me. That that's just fucking all of it. That is a that is a number. You don't have to you don't have to do another one of them. Right. That's that's kind of what I'm telling myself. And I do feel yeah. like it's my wolf like me and I reference wolf like me in the song. Do you? Yes. Oh, hell yeah. That you no one do. is pointed to and it's in the first like pre chorus. Where he said, you'd never ask a beast from the southern coast, wolf. Mm. And, like, you'd, like you're saying, I'm trying to say, like, you, you won't let me in because of who I am and what I represent. Like, and I felt like that song, Wolf Like Me, by TV on the radio, like, when I saw a black man on Letterman play a song called Wolf Like Me, it felt like he was commenting on something. Like, it felt to me like he was, like, Look at me, I'm a beast, and like yeah. you're. Look what you—they're finally giving me, but they're treating me like a beast. You know, like I just felt like you know, it was. Uh, I thought it was a powerful thing to call a song, and yeah. so I, yeah, I wanted to reference that. But, but yeah, I love that. I love fuck. Now, now I got a whole new perspective on on that track. It's amazing. Yeah, I love that song. Great song, Barty's. It was great talking to you. Thank yeah. you for for taking the time. Yeah, um, I appreciate uh, getting the opportunity 
this record is so fucking great you should be proud of it um, i'm really stoked to hear what you concocted up in maine yeah um, it sounds like fleetwood mac it's so weird <laughs> i love it uh, it's so weird yeah. um we're we have a patreon patreon.com slash ready at podcast uh we split the money from that patreon three ways uh, every week it goes to the show it goes to our guests we are paying Bartiz for his time and we're also going to send some money over to an organization chosen by Bartiz for us this week Bartiz would you mind telling us a little bit about the NELP yeah they're called NELP um, they are uh, employment um, rights and like labor um, organization in New York um, They've been around since like the late 80s and um, they're an organization that just does a lot of for workers and working families and you know representing them politically and you know helping unions um, be resourced to you know organize more effectively and they also do a lot on like the academic side policy papers and you know getting new ideas in the ether about like mm-hmm. you know how our labor environment is changing and the things we need to change to better accommodate working families so um, you know, I think that now is more important than ever as workers have fewer protections than we've had in a really long time. So, you know, yeah. you know, I think, uh, you know, don't forget about the workers and, you know, we, we really need to build like an economy that works for everyone and supporting organizations like NELP is a way to um, help that happen. So I, I would say, you know, that's a good place for sure. Hell yeah. We are, we are extraordinarily pro labor on this podcast. Um, so, you can pledge that. $3 a month to that Patreon. You can also pledge $10 a month. If you do the $10 pledge, you get access to some bonus content that uh, our guests help us with each week. And Bartis and I are going to do a little dive into, we talked about the TV on the radio clip. Uh, we're going to talk about some of our favorite live performance YouTube videos yeah for this patreon so, i'm so excited to hear you geek out on that tv on the radio and more because i got some national shit that we gotta we gotta discuss can't wait hell yeah it's gonna be sick thanks for coming on yeah man thank you um it was good to meet you and uh until next time sounds great we'll be back next week thanks brothers.